Earthbed Muscle is a grassroots supplement company created by some of the best strength coaches in the United States to provide their athletes with wholesome supplements. Earthbed Muscle has changed the supplement industry with their minimal ingredient approach to sports nutrition. Dane's platform is also brought to you by the Acceleration Diet. The Acceleration Diet is a customized weight loss program catered to each individual, their needs, and their schedule. Accelerate your metabolism today with the Acceleration Diet. Finally, Dane's platform is also brought to you by Holistic Encapsulations. Holistic Encapsulations provides organic hemp extract with an incredible 27 to 1 CBD ratio. Loaded with CBDs, hemp extract has been shown to decrease anxiety, have a positive impact on cancer, improve sleep, improve brain function, and decrease inflammation. Head over to HolisticEncapsulations.com today and get on the path to holistic recovery. All right, so we're here again with another episode of Dane's Platform. Thank you to our sponsors. I cannot wait for the primitive protein, oh no, primitive pancakes mm. to come out from Earthfed Muscle. I'm sitting here with uh, Garage Strength uh, discus thrower Noah Kennedy White. Noah, how's it going? I'm doing all right, man. Just finished up a terrible workout, so feeling fantastic. Good. <laughs> Noah was uh, an All-American at Penn and a discus, and he's trying to further his post-collegiate career here at Garage Strength, so hopefully I can do him wonders this year and get him to drop some freaking bombs. So That'd be pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Noah, what are we going to talk about? All right, so the idea that I had for our podcast today is kind of like a training regrets slash things I did well. Um, so looking back at both of our athletic careers and kind of picking apart what we did well at certain stages and then what uh, if we could go back, what we do, what would we do differently? Okay. Um, so I wanted to kind of break it down into uh, four different categories. So before high school, high school, collegiate, and post-collegiate. And obviously, you have more post-collegiate experience than I do since I graduated six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, you could have more of a say on that one. But I think we. Can I never graduated. Oh, perfect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to start? You want to do it like you ask me, or do you want me to just start babbling about? I honestly think we can just just go. Okay. Yeah. So like before high school. So any okay. So before, before high, school. high school for me, uh, I grew up. My mom was a a swim teacher. So I I was I swam for a while. I wrestled. I played baseball, and I didn't get into track until I was a sophomore in high school. So before high school, I played soccer, um, baseball, swimming, wrestling, and. Uh, did I say football? Yeah, and then football in middle school. I didn't start playing football till eighth grade. So, uh, looking back now, I did. My dad did get me into lifting when I was around sixth grade. Um, I want to say it was nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety six, somewhere around that time. So, I was thirteen or fourteen, um, and my sister was into lifting, which I was fortunate to have a woman in my family. I mean, my mom did did exercise, but she didn't lift that much. But my until later, um, but I was fortunate enough that even then my sister was into into weightlifting and uh, well lifting weights, not necessarily weightlifting. And I, at that time, my strength coach had just started getting into Olympic weightlifting. So um, prior to college, or prior to high school, I I, I think for me, I, I just sort of wish that. I had a little bit more exposure to Olympic weightlifting, yeah. and I wish I had more exposure to throwing at an earlier age. Um, 
And and it wasn't until I was in like seventh or eighth grade that my parents said to me like, Dane, you either have to play soccer and swim, or you have to wrestle and play football. And and up until that point, like I was actually a legit swimmer. Like I was good. Um, <laughs> Many dude, would not suspect it. <laughs> I, no, no, not at all. But I I you know there was kids at Penn State. One kid in particular, Sean McLean, he was a, a state champ from Wilson, which is a school nearby. And in age group swimming, I used to pummel him. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I, I, I never, I didn't like, honestly, I didn't swim because I like to talk. So that's why I chose wrestling and football. <laughs> um, but I do think it fit my temperament. So I, I just, I wish I would have been exposed a little bit more to Olympic weightlifting earlier on. And I wish I would have been exposed to, or had that pressure early on um, to wrestle more frequently and, and to, and and to throw, I, I like my parents didn't let me play football till eighth grade. And I think that was the best thing for me as far as football. Right. But sports like wrestling and, and well, wrestling is pretty tough. But track and weightlifting, I should have been exposed a little bit earlier. But you know, my 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 dad was a baseball guy, and that's that's not his right. You know, that's not his fault. It's not anybody's you. fault. So, yeah. all right, yeah. I mean, honestly, from my perspective, it actually sounds like we had kind of similar um, athletic. Uh, upbringing so I you know was involved in a variety of sports my mom was always big on us knowing how to swim just as a life skill yeah. um, so my sisters and I were always taking swimming lessons um, I was involved in soccer the fact and you're six six or whatever you are with long ass arms would make you ideal for swimming I was a pretty I was a pretty I'm a pretty decent swimmer yeah. I'm not gonna toot a horn about it but I'm a pretty decent swimmer um, but you know, I was involved in soccer and gymnastics, and I didn't start playing football until eighth grade. My parents wouldn't let me. Um, but neither of my parents were really ever serious athletes. Um, so I think the big pitfall there was I never really had that ultimatum of like choosing a sport and taking it seriously for a right. long time. So it took me until high school where I found a sport where I was like, okay, now I'm like really taking this seriously. And yeah. I knew that I like. I'm naturally a pretty good athlete and I knew that I could handle it, but I just, I think my big regret from that period of time is not developing that mentality of really knowing how to work hard for a sport. See, I was fortunate with, in that regard that, I wish Anti would stop walking around, <laughs> but um, I, <laughs> as far as that work ethic that you just touched on, I was fortunate that because my high school in, in 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, even my senior year, 2002, our high school was stacked as far as wrestling is concerned. So okay. even though I didn't fully buy into it, by the time I was in eighth grade, I was wrestling two to three seasons out of the year. Even when I was doing other sports, I was still wrestling. Right. So um, you just didn't have a choice, <laughs> right? Yeah. And by that time, like the high school coach had seen me. I had I had done really well in junior high and eighth grade. Um, you know, I got in third at like our state championship, ver like our version of states for junior high. Okay. I had gotten third at my eighth grade year. And that, you know, that sort of sparked me. And that's actually where I would attribute all my work ethic originally from outside of my parents. You know, my dad was one of those guys that just never stopped working all the time. Right. But, um, and he always sort of instilled like that this, because he was also a wrestling coach and I was around some of his wrestlers who ended up placing at States. And, and one of the guys actually fought in the UFC, nine fights in UFC. And that's who I was around growing right. up. Right. That and, makes sense. Yeah. And like growing up, 
it, it was my dream to become a state champion. You know, I wanted to be a state champion wrestler, and by the time you know I got into high school, I, that was my goal until I I broke my arm wrestling, and that's when everything shifted right. to to, uh, to track and field. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I did. I was fortunate enough to have that like modality or or just guidance of that work ethic of being instilled in me from wrestling. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of where we diverge because those like population dynamics were very different for me. Right. So I went to, when I was in elementary school, like a tiny elementary school, I think my like fifth grade class had, I think 12 kids in it. Okay. So really small school. So we didn't have organized sports. So I was always, if I was doing a sport, it was an outside sport. And my family's always been focused on it very much on academics. So you know, that was a big focus and sports were fun, but it wasn't like, I wasn't around, you know, like that championship mindset, right, even yeah. if I hadn't bought in, like you said, you're still around those people and that, that changes it. So I think not having that sort of environment lends itself to me, not necessarily taking sports that seriously that early on, but I am very grateful for having done so many sports. Cause I feel like now it lends itself to a really solid, um, just general base of athleticism, yeah. which is important. Yeah, for sure. So you want to go? So you want to go over the high school side? Yeah. So so for me, high school wise, if I if I could walk everybody through this ninth grade, I started varsity, started defensive end, nine sacks as a freshman. Yeah, oh. um, but playing football and starting as a freshman, and then I, I played baseball and I wrestled, and and again, my whole goal was I wanted to be a good football player, but my whole goal was I wanted to win a state title for wrestling. Um, so I played baseball in the spring just cause that's what I had always done. And I was a decent catcher. Um, and by my sophomore year, so I wrestled 152 my freshman year, but I played football my freshman year around 190. So I cut down to 152 during wrestling season, wrestling season ends. And I tell my coach, I'm going up to heavyweight next year. I don't, I'm not cutting weight. I want to get big cause then I'll be, it'll help me for football. And this was back before they put in like a 215 weight class to 220. It went 189 to heavyweight. So I knew <laughs> we had a kid at, at our high school who was a returning state place winner in the heavyweight division, and he was coming back my sophomore year, and I was going to try and beat him out. It's um, a bold move for a sophomore. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially because he was legit. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he ironically is what got me into throwing because he was a starting catcher my sophomore year as well in baseball, and he – he was like, dude, if you don't, if they don't move me to th to third or first base, and they put you on JV, you should just quit and do, go throw. Because I was by this time I was like two thirty. So my freshman year I wrestled one fifty two. <laughs> by fall of my sophomore year I weighed two thirty. I grew four inches, Jesus. and I like everybody's always like, oh, weightlifting it stunts your growth. No, it doesn't. Dude. <laughs> I grew four inches when I really started hammering the weights like four or five days a week. Like my dad was feeding me everything under the sun, like a gallon of milk a day, tons and tons of protein, tons of potatoes, like classic Pennsylvania Dutch mood, like meals, like like six eggs for breakfast, six eggs before bedtime. Like it, that was my my how much I ate and how much I was lifting. I grew a ton, and I really wasn't even – I didn't even really get fat. Like, I was pretty – I mean, I was yoked just like I am today. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like ingesting a lot of calories and lifting is helpful for getting bigger and stronger. <laughs> yeah, imagine but, that. But that's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> so, anyway, we – like, by, by sophomore year, I did start to throw, and, you know, junior year rolls around, and I'm going to be the starting heavyweight 
I had beaten his kid Aaron Ansbach in a summer tournament who had gotten second at States. He ended up getting second in the NCAA at Penn State. That's how good of a wrestler was. That's crazy. That's no, <laughs> it was cool because like yeah. when I went to Penn State, Spock was there, and he and I, I would screw with him all the time. Like, he's like, dude, you beat me in 10th grade. I wasn't even that good yet. Dude, that's what counts. High school is what counts. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, like, what ended up happening is my junior year, I, I break my arm. Um, I gain all this weight. Or I gain, I get even stronger just for throwing. And, and I blow up my, my junior year throwing-wise. But looking back, you know, so the, then I, I'd say, like, the rest is history. So my junior year of football, I was all-county, defensive lineman of the year. Senior year, I was all-state. Uh, I had 16 sacks. and Go Panthers. <laughs> I, I quit wrestling. I didn't, I didn't wrestle my senior year because I was nervous that I was going to get injured. And I was also nervous that I wouldn't train as well. And my whole goal, my whole goal growing up was that I wanted to win a state title. Right. And my sophomore, or my junior year, I got fourth at states in shot. And I, you know, I sat there and I, after I got fourth, I gave my dad a hug and I cried like a bitch. Dude, I cried for 20 minutes. Dude, I've been there. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I sat there and I was like, I put so much effort into this. I'm going to win the state title next year in track. And so that next year, I decided I'm not I'm not going to wrestle because all I want to do is win a state title, and I don't want to I don't want to not win a state title. Right. Um. So I played football, all state. Winter comes, I don't go out for wrestling, and I I just train the whole way through until track, and then I won a state title by five feet. So. In shot. Yeah, in shot. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So looking back, um. Again, the only thing that I wish is that I would have thrown right away as a freshman. Um, I wish I would have gotten into Olympic weightlifting earlier. And if I, I think if I would have been throwing earlier, I think I probably would have wrestled my senior year because I would have been a better thrower right. earlier as well. Right. Um, so I think that that's really only my only training regret regrets are not getting into Olympic weightlifting early because I was snatching and I was cleaning. I was fortunate enough that our strength coach had us doing the Olympic lifts. Okay. But I was only snatching or cleaning once a week, and I was doing low bar back squats. I couldn't squat because it would kill my knees. Yeah. And what's funny is now I'm 33 and I have no knee pain, and I can right. squat ass to grass. There's but, hope on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, it goes along with if, if I would have been exposed to snatching, you know, two to four days a week or cleaning two to four days a week and then throwing at an earlier age, I really, really believe that I would have had a better – I probably would have ended up being an Olympic weightlifter at some point because I built more for weightlifting. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I had – so going into high school, started playing football in eighth grade, and from the time I was a kid, like – so I grew up part of my life in Tennessee, and obviously football is huge down there, so I'd always wanted to be like a great football player. Um, so that was what I was kind of determined to do. Um, started, I mean, I was on uh, JV. You can take a hit? Every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty skinny when I when I first started, but um, yeah, so then played up through varsity my senior year. I think I might have been off-conference my senior year, but um, and then I actually started, I honestly think like the majority of high school throwers, I started throwing kind of just as a fluke. Yeah. I had a friend whose older brother had been throwing um, and we were like, okay, we'll do indoor track in order to like be in the weight room for football. But um, it's not like my high school was not very good athletically. So we didn't have like football and track just weren't 
big programs. Right. And so we didn't have a strength coach. So it was kind of on yourself. And I had a great, uh, I was very lucky to have a great throws coach um, in high school who really helped me a lot. But a lot of the onus was put on me in terms of like learning about strength conditioning. Um, so that's when I really started reading about it constantly. And it t really hasn't stopped to this day. Um, and I think that was like a double-edged sword. So I was reading stuff for very high level lifters and everyone's talking about, Oh, you know, most people are quad dominant bench dominant. And I was like, well, I don't want to be most people. Like I'm going to do posterior chain. I'm going to work, you know, my back and stuff. And I think that's where that was a big shortcoming for me where I, I became very good at focusing on the little things, yeah. but I hadn't yet focused enough on like the big components. Right. So like my big lifts are still lag behind. I mean, my deadlifts is okay, but my squat and bench are, basically trash garbage and just just terrible yeah. <laughs> and i think it was because i just was too focused on okay well if everyone's caught <coughs> down and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do rdls i'm gonna do deadlifts work the posterior chain i'm gonna work on explosiveness box jumps all the time bother chuck press yeah. and all the explosiveness um and i think that you know it helped me because the one six disc just isn't that heavy. did you see did you ever see my videos from back then i don't think so okay. no no um so I guess that's just kind of a funny coincidence, right. <laughs> um, but that came from my coach at the time. Um, so I think, you know, that was, it was good that I was, you know, getting myself well-versed in strength conditioning because it's always good to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, it's helpful to be able to work on explosiveness, but I think I really missed out on a big, you know, a massive period of growth for most people is that are those high school years yeah. um, where you, you know, can afford to just train stupid max out every day and your body will recover from it and just get wicked strong. Um, Please don't use the term train stupid. <laughs> Why? No, he kidding. squats so much. <laughs> no, he's strong as fuck. Um, Damn right, I know you're not listening. <laughs> you are strong. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think it was, I think that was, pro in that era, that was like my biggest positive and negative was that focus on, too much focus on like high level ideas of what, you know, people much stronger than me were doing. Right. Um, so I think it brought me up in some areas and really, really hurt me in other areas. I think, I think for me where I was fortunate. So my, my high school throws coach, she was good where she would do, she would just let me lift and throw all the time. Okay. Um, now my high school strength coach who like we had strength in, in gym class. And the thing with him was that he had been at this point in his career you know, we were into powerlifting, so we we did go to a couple powerlifting meets. Um, I deadlifted 527 when I was in high school. Uh, I back squatted like 480. When I, nah, this is a powerlifting meet though. Still though, for comparison, my best back squat to this day is 450, and my best deadlift. <laughs> we all I think in, in high six school six inches taller. Than yeah, that is true. I think my best deadlift in high school is like 435. My my best bench in a meet was 375 in high school. 405 with my butt up. I'm not even gonna go with what my best bench in high school was. <laughs> but so so I was fortunate too, where he would let me snatch like once or twice a week by my senior year okay. because I was good at snatching, but my mobility was terrible with the cleans. So I could jerk well, but I couldn't rack a clean. I'm just, yeah, I was still that way. And I think what's, what's interesting is that this was in the late nineties to early two thousands. So like I was on the internet, I was looking up stuff. My dad had lifted all the time. My dad was always pretty, pretty big, uh, muscular. And I was on the forefront of, of the internet age really. And that's okay. where, it's interesting for me because, you know, I I was good at pull-ups, 
because we had a state champion wrestler who told me that if I was a heavyweight who could do 20 pull-ups, I would beat everybody. So that was like my goal was to just yeah, do pull-ups all right. the time. That was, that was it. Like it wasn't any, any other reason. And it was, it was mainly like the little stuff we didn't do. It was mainly squat, bench, snatch, you know, I do the deadlift. I didn't deadlift that much, but it was squat, bench, snatch. And then I would do, you know, some curls or whatever when I'd come home. And I, I did, I did train at home a lot. We would do power cleans at my in my parents' garage a lot. Right. My brother and I would do a lot of incline benches all the time, incline benching. Yeah. So we, I had a really, really good, strong base strength, yeah, right. and I, and I think what had what actually looking back, what did help me was that I was good at pull ups. I was good at at you know we would do bent over rows and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. just the classic barbell movements. Right. But for me, what 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 really started to click with with training is there's a guy named Paul Ferency, and he's a Highland Games world champion. He gave me a VHS tape in 2001 of Werner Gunther's training. Okay, video. is this the one with him? Oh yeah, out? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so when all you guys are watching this on YouTube, just recognize that in thanks Anton that in 2001 I studied this and it was in French. And we had a girl on our high school track team whose mom was a French teacher, and she translated the whole VHS. <laughs> and that following, after my senior year of track, I found, it was it used to be called like canthrows.org. It was Canadian Throws Center. And they had the whole program on their Can Throws site. And this That's was crazy. back with the dial-up yeah. era. Right. So we used what she had translated – and then we used what we found on the website, printed it up, and that whole summer leading into my freshman year at Penn State, I trained on the – I did the entire program, the entire thing. <laughs> Dude, I got so retardedly strong. It was it was so awesome. And it, and, and it was mainly because there was a, a laid-out program. It was like – you know, periodized, you know, and, and it made sense. And, it, and it, it's actually pretty similar to how I periodize now. It was like a high intensity, volume, high intensity, and then uh, peak phase. And so I went into school, dude, just I, I still remember that the, the first day that we had to go in and lift and we actually had snatches in the in the program. And they're like, yes. Yeah. And these kids, the, I was like, I'm going to start at like 185. And this kid, Dorian Lowe, who had, at the time he had the Penn State record and the hat and the weight. He's like, you sure you want to start at 185? I'm like, yeah. Like, dude, I could probably start at 205. Like, really? Yeah, dude. And like, I just smashed everything. Dude, you all... would have been the most annoying freshman. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, they're, lo- they're looking at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, like, I, like, this is all I had been doing. And, and, and what, what I was fortunate with is that I had been exposed because of my strength coach. I had been exposed enough to have that interest peaked. And then, you know, I could use the internet at the time was starting to develop and, and uh, was starting to, to develop as far as like, T Nation was online, but I didn't find T Nation yet. It was mainly like my dad would get me Muscle Fitness magazine and like Flex, and then I would also just find uh, sports performance stuff online. So yeah. leading into college, I had a pretty solid base of training just because of powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting a little bit, and then, uh, you know, the experiments my brother and I had done. Dude, we would lift for four hours at a time in our, in yeah. our garage. So. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like I, I missed out on that. Like, I got very good at 
stretching all the time, making sure I'm sleeping enough. Like I always, I would go to practice, go home, homework, go to sleep. Like Mm -hmm. that was, I was super consistent, but I think I just got too in the weeds on my strength training, didn't focus enough on the basics. And also there there were never any negative repercussions. Like I just continued to progress in my throws. So there was no reason for me to say, you know, take a step back, look and think something's wrong and try to change it because I went, I think freshman year, my PR in the disc was 114, and then the next year was 144, and then 176, and then 190. So right. there was just like a very steady progression. So regardless yeah, it's of what, yeah, exactly. So I had, yeah. I had no reason to think that I should be trying to fight through the terrible knee pain that I had right. to try to squat more. So Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think for me, getting into college, you know, looking back, dude, looking back in my college years, like, I I always wait, and I always said this when I was in college, and I and my coach would get super pissed. So Mark, <laughs> if you ever hear this, I I apologize. <laughs> but I should have trained. I should have kept training like I did when I was in high school. Yeah, dude, I absolutely should have because what I did was I would take fucking thirty to forty throws a day, and I would lift all the time, and I would throw all the time, and I would throw the sixteen, I'd throw a fourteen, I'd throw a twelve, and I'd throw a ten, and that was all I did. Like right. I did that all the time in my glide. Dude, I have old videos of me gliding. Like I was fast as shit. Like <laughs> I should have just kept doing that. But what ended up happening when I got into college is that we were only throwing like twice a week, and then we were doing all these drills. And but there was still a focus on the weight room. So I got ridiculously strong. Like bench five twenty five. Um, we didn't weightlift enough. Like I, we still were only snatching like once once a month. Or once a week. So I only, I never really got up to like 300 until I was out of college because we just weren't doing it frequently enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but my squat was ridiculous. I, I remember one one day in uh, Rec Hall, we, this is before they renovated Rec Hall at Penn State. We used to train on Sundays with the wrestling team on the other side, but they could see what we were doing. And I hit 600 for six on back squat. And I remember being like, dude, I'm an animal. But the problem was we weren't throwing enough. And we weren't weightlifting enough, like doing snatch movements, so I was losing mobility. Yeah, and then I was doing all these drills, like slow drills, and there was absolutely no carryover. And so people look at my career. I mean, you can you can also factor in other things that I was an alcoholic and I had a lot of drinking. I had serious drinking problems. I don't. I wouldn't say I was truly an alcoholic, but I had serious problems Mm -hmm. with with booze and with drugs, like to an extent where it was I was out of control. But I do believe a lot of that actually stemmed from the fact that my freshman year, I tore it up. I threw really well. I threw 17.46 as a freshman with the glide. Right. I threw 18.16 as a sophomore with the spin. But by the end of my sophomore year was when I was, we were stopped. We weren't throwing as frequently and we were really heavy into powerlifting. So the, the, the weight was carried in the weight room. It was, oh, Dane's getting stronger. So that's going to carry over to the throws. Right. But it never did carry over the throws because we weren't doing enough frequency. Our frequency of throwing wasn't high enough for it to, ca- to have any carryover at all. Yeah. And it sort of just led to this downward spiral for me mentally where I was putting in this work. Dude, nobody could not work me. But nothing, you know, for just, the next two and a half years, right. I, I gained weight. I got huge. I got my weight room numbers went up. But I threw 17 meters at every single meet in my collegiate career. Yeah. You know and I, I think that's... That- <laughs> Coming from the side of some, like, I'm, I've 
on the far end of the weaker side of throwers. Yeah. And I always would jokingly tell people it's a good thing I'm not on the powerlifting team, but I think like some people kind of lose that. Yeah. Like where you're just so focused on lifting uh -huh. and you're not actually focused on the actual, because throwing is the sport. Right. We're not here to, and obviously you have to be strong to do it very well, but you don't have to be brutally strong to do it pretty well or even like well. So I did a, I did, you know, before podcasts were really popular, this is back in 2008. I did an interview with Derek Evely, who was Dylan Armstrong's coach, and this is when I was training with Dr. B. And Derek had asked me what the biggest difference between training with Dr. B was, and Dr. B here, so for anybody who doesn't know, he's an Olympic champion hammer thrower. He's coached, there was like 18 Olympic medalists. He's a world record holder. He's, he's a legend. Yeah. And so what was the biggest difference? And I said, listen, my college coach said we – we train, we, what was it? It was, we train to be athletes and athletes become better throwers. And it was like, we train to throw. We don't throw to train. And the whole difference with Dr. B was, no, you throw to train. Right. Because we're fucking throwing. <laughs> yeah. like, that's the whole goal. We're throwing, like we're, we're training to throw. So therefore we throw to train. And that, that was the biggest disconnect that I think I had in college was that I was training to be a freak athlete. Right. I was explosive and I was strong as an ox and I was big. I was heavy. I was walking around 285, but I couldn't move. I had lost all mobility and, and I had lost all pop and I had lost any, any pop in the circle. Like if you would, you know, even people who'd see me throw post-collegiately, I didn't have, if you watch the videos of me in high school, even with a 16 training in my parents' backyard, and then you watch me when I'm 27 and I threw 1860, I didn't have the pop. Like, I lost it. I lost it because I wasn't throwing enough, and I lost that connection from the weight room to the circle because we were training to be athletes. We weren't training to be throwers. And that's right. the biggest, biggest thing that, you know, I want to avoid training you guys Noah, mm -hmm. and and that's you know, that's actually where i'm at now with sam right. with this new program that yeah. he got it's like dude he's he's strong enough like, yeah he doesn't need to get yeah. stronger it, it, the implement weighs four and a half pounds yeah <laughs> now the problem is he's getting his fucking meat head yeah. to actually <laughs> to actually be like okay right i'm at that point yeah now. like i don't need like I, i'm there I think he's getting there he verbally expressed it to me before but okay. i think there's a little bit of understanding okay <laughs> So, yeah, that, that would be my, my collegiate, if I knew then what I know now, right. aspect. But there's not, dude, the thing is, with the, with the U.S. collegiate system, it really works well for some throwers, and it doesn't work well for other throwers, and, it, and it's just, there wasn't much I could do. Like, there, yeah. at that point, uh, Mark, my coach, he's a good guy, and I, and I really liked him. I, I, dude, I learned a ton from him. From him. He, he, he understands exercise science and all that stuff, but I, I just think... We never really, and, and my college roommate was like this. He was a hammer thrower from Rhode Island, and all he ever wanted to do was, was throw. And, he, and I almost think that Mark didn't let us throw to spite Scott because Scott was like this fat pear-shaped guy who could throw far because that's all he did in high school. Right. But he couldn't throw that far in college. And he threw like 198 in a hammer, but it was because he, we weren't throwing enough. And, right. I, and he would complain to Mark about it, and I still to this day feel that a lot of that has to do with Mark being stubborn and not wanting to listen to us. Oh. And, you know, Calness came up, and Calness was like, dude, when I was in Monmouth, we would throw four or five days a week. Yeah. But it changed. I don't know. And yeah. 
with that being said, Mark's still a good friend of mine. I like him a lot. I just wish that would have been different. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, um, the biggest thing that I kind of neglected in college, I think was just kind of the mental aspect and particularly competition confidence. Because, you know, it's like you said, it's a tough transition into college. And when you're the big fish in the small pond in high school and then you go off to D1, um, it is definitely a transition. And I think that there were long periods of time when – you know, I just didn't accept the idea of like progression. I've always been very impatient and always, right. you know, obviously I think every athlete wants to have that big jump immediately. Um, but I think there were long periods of time when I was going in the right direction, but I just didn't feel it. And then I just kind of stopped thinking that I was a good thrower. And I think that really took away um, a lot of what I could have done in college and just having that confidence in myself and understanding that I was moving in the right direction that I just needed to, you know, even if you're not throwing that well in the beginning of the season or as well as you want to, it's, right. you know, it's all working towards something at the end of the season. Um, and I started to kind of work on that more um, toward, honestly, at that point, it was too little too late, you know, at the, toward my senior year yeah. and trying to focus on that aspect more. Um, See, when I had the confidence problems after my sophomore year, I just drank more. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to handle it. Because it was like, it was like, okay, if I drink, I could go out, I could fight somebody. Or I could get a Loosen girl. Teeth. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's how I'm, I'm missing my bottom teeth now because of being a dipshit in 2004, dude. 13 yeah. years ago. Like it's like it's one of those things where that that's how I dealt with my confidence was I could drink and fight people or I could find a girl. That yeah. was it. Yeah. I just I've definitely always been more, I'm more of the person to internalize it, so I just kind of turn it on myself and just you know really didn't enjoy what I was doing and I um, felt a lot like I didn't really. At times, I didn't really love what I was studying either, so it just kind of felt like no matter what I was, where I was or what I was doing, I just couldn't, you know, get it right or really feel like I was doing what I wanted to be doing at, at that point in time. Um, so I think I think that was the biggest thing in college um, that I regret. In terms of what I think I did well, I think that carryover of consistency and focus from high school was huge. So, like, always prioritizing sleep. I never took an all-nighter to study in college. That's good, yeah. Um, and I always except for the weekends, yeah. <laughs> but always was huge on making sure I got enough sleep and stretching enough um, and stuff like that. But just, excuse me, convincing myself that I, you know, belong there and I was a good thrower and, you know, I belonged in the mix with those guys that I was competing with. Um, I think I missed out a huge chunk of time in my four years on that. That really could have helped me. But I mean, that's something that, you know, it takes a lot of practice and I'm continuing to work on moving forward. So, right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about the, the mental side when you had asked that question. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, dude, I think that has a huge role. And I think that's where a lot of college coaches fail is that they don't hold people accountable for stupid shit. Like, they don't hold – they like, I was never – and I, and I should have – I dude, I definitely should have taken more responsibility for my actions. But, like, no one ever grabbed me. Like, if, if I was at home, my dad would have grabbed me by the neck. If he knew what I was doing at Penn State, if my mom knew what I was doing, like, I would have embarrassed them. I was, I did embarrass them. If, if, if they were around me, my dad would have grabbed me by the neck and thrown me through a wall and be like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? At what point do you stop? At what point do you change? And, and I didn't have that. And that's where I think coaches need, need to step that up, especially in the collegiate ranks. Yeah, I know it's a period of – like you can go out and drink and you can do that shit and it and it can be fun. But dude, at the end of the day and looking at where I'm at right now, um 
Yeah, it's not worth it. it. It's not worth it at all. And I can sit there and I could, I could, I, like, I was going to scream at you guys on Sunday. Because I want to be like, dude, like, why the fuck are you guys here? You want to be here to fucking party? You want to be here to be elite? But to be honest, like, that attitude, if somebody would have instilled that in me earlier, mm-hmm. Of like, stop, stop doing this. Take this seriously. Take, prioritize, take these bigger steps to become a better athlete and prioritize your life and prioritize your schedule and learn how to create a system within yourself on a daily basis and then a system of training as well. I think I would have done better from a business perspective earlier in my career of owning Garage Strength. I think I would have done better as an athlete. I know I would have done better as an athlete. But I, I, I never... It literally took me till I was 31 to be like, okay, now I have a system of my own, you know, daily structure. And and it actually was really until I hired Jennifer, who I would call my COO, uh, to, to, to sit there and be like, Dane, I need you to, to actually hold yourself accountable on your daily schedule. And that's stuff that I should have learned as an athlete when I was in college. And I should have learned that those that me – not having a schedule and drinking all the time has a negative impact on my no, That's not that helpful. Right, yeah. right. And I think that that's where a lot of college college athletes, they don't realize that till they're like 26, 27. And by that time, it's like, man, I've lost the last two or three years of training. Yeah. Um, and I think that post-collegiately, that's, that's where the hard transition becomes is that you see these athletes. And, and for, for me, I went and I immediately moved to Dr. B. And I trained with Dr. B., Right after college, and uh, I I was under his system, and I I did really well there. I I threw over eighteen meters like three or four times, but I actually did PR sadly. But I it was like one of the, it was a huge year for me to realize that I wasn't a seventeen meter thrower. Doctor B sat there and he's like, Dane, if you stay with me for three years, I can get you to twenty one. Right. You know, and I actually sent him an email like three months ago, and I he responded with that. Same thing, and he was. I think I put it on my story because I wanted to brag about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up leaving and coming back to Pennsylvania because I wanted to start the business, and and you know my parents weren't going to financially back me up anymore, and my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, told me that she would leave me if I would stay up there. So it was, you know, I decided that. And this is not. It's not easy. No, it's not easy, dude. It's and that's the whole thing. <laughs> and, and and for me, it was like okay, I could come home, and run the business and try to train. Or I could take like a year or two off. But that's what you just said. It's not freaking easy. It's not like you're up there training indoors, like making $100,000 a year. No, No. you guys want to bitch about here? Dude, I was outside in fucking negative 14 degree weather throwing the shot. I would keep the shot at my house so it would be warm. After I take like 12 to 15 throws, the shot would get cold. And it would turn into a giant snowball. So you'd have to pull the snow off, and then you'd have like little bits of snow frozen to it. So you put that in your neck. Tearing your neck. That's awful. So like, you know, like everybody sits there. But the thing was, I learned how to become a man. I learned how to become a man in training, and I learned how to deal with shit. I wasn't. I was three thousand miles away from my parents. I and and that was just me becoming an adult. Was was moving there, and I think. It set me up, even though I, I did take off for three years, I didn't throw. And then, you know, I went three years without throwing. Actually, it might have even been four years. And I, I sat there, I was like, I never threw 60 feet. That was the driving factor? Dude, that's why I came that's back. Awesome. And Caitlin got pregnant with Lincoln. 
And I sat there and I sat her down and I was like, she was like two months before she was due. And I was like, I'm going to start throwing again. She was like, she was probably very happy about that. She looks at me and she's like, really? I was like, I got to throw 60 feet. And then, you know, two and a half years later, I threw 60 feet and I, I threw 60 feet in four different meets. And I know that doesn't sound like anything to a lot of these guys out there today, but for me and where I come from and where I had been and how good I was and how big of a dive I took to come back and do that, dude, right. with a business, with a family, you know, I had my son with me all the time. And I see these posts on Facebook of these pussy ass bitches <laughs> quitting because they, because they're out in the woods and there's smoke inhalation and all this bullshit, dude. I'm sitting there going, motherfucker. I had a son who was who was eight months old, who I had to plan my schedule around to bottle feed him, and then I put him down for a nap, and I go out and I take 35 throws, and I come back up when he was waking up, and I'd bottle feed him again, and I'd lay him down next to me while I was lifting, and I would put him on this little mat so he could roll around and stuff. That was my training situation that got me to throw 61 feet. So, like, you want to talk about being, uh, like, dealing with stress. Yeah. And at the same time, I had to, I had a business. I had a house. I was paying the mortgage. I was, I was doing all this crazy stuff that I had to do. But at the same time, I wanted to throw 60 plus, And I had to put that work at work in. And I had to have that work ethic from, you know, when I was younger and, and and wrestling, but at the same, and dude, what makes me so proud is that I could look back and during that time, that's when Jason Kuhn was with me. That's when Evan Arnott was with me. And these are a hundred, 198 foot discus throw. This is a 60 foot shot putters that I was still training and as in state champions in wrestling that I was still coaching and still training myself to get to us indoors twice and raising my son Lincoln at the same time and and it's like why did I why was I able to do that because I was mature I grew up and I learned how to manage my time and I learned how to create a schedule and a system that would fit my daily you know occurrences or whatever the heck you want to call it of what I needed to make things work I figured it out I I sat back and I was like how can I make all these things work so that I can accomplish my goals. Not, wah, 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 this is hard, wah, 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 I quit, boo-hoo, mom, come pick me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that is pretty great. And, I mean, it's cool that not only, like, obviously the inciting factor for you to go back was, I need to throw 60, but you had the awareness to understand that at the end of the day, even though you achieved that goal, there were much bigger things that you learned Along the way. Dude, dude, and that what what made me and and that was a huge time for me as as far as a coach developing my training system that I have now that I use with you guys is that that you know like think about that think about what I just laid out for you I would drive over to the to the barn at six thirty in the morning with Lincoln and I would time it so that when I would leave my house the drive over I would make it really hot in the car in the mornings. So that he would fall asleep and I had the circles covered and he'd be sleeping in the fucking Subaru that I had in the snow while I was fucking throwing outside. But but what was so cool about it is that, dude, I had I had to time manage and I had to pick and I had to prioritize what training tools will transfer best because I couldn't fuck around. I can't waste time. I can't waste my, my training session to sit there and do 3,000 band pull-aparts. 
But you know, we're adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What am I gonna do? So, so I had to sit there and say, okay, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna lift, and then I'm either gonna do special strength or I'm gonna do mobility stuff. And and based off of that, that's basically where we're at now. And that that is from you know prioritizing the transfer training and and figuring that out during that time frame and what would what what was were the best movements the best exercises and the best shots for me to be throwing to get to that goal to throw 60 feet with while working 60 hours a week and raising a, a an infant yeah which is not easy no <laughs> um yeah so again like i said before i so far obviously don't have much post-collegiate experience but I think the two biggest things that I kind of want to focus on going forward are continuing to uh, work with that momentum in terms of uh, like the mental aspect of training and competing that I started working on my senior year of college. Um, and then... Did you watch my performance anxiety video? I did, actually. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. <laughs> um, and then I literally just had the second thing and completely forgot it. I ruined it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, continuing... Strength or... or... I mean... I, Dude, yeah. I think for you, technique. If, I, I think you'll get you'll get strong enough. I think, from my perspective, if we can just keep improving your your the technical aspect in the circle, the strength's gonna be there. Like it's, yeah. it is gonna be there. Yeah, I think no, nah, and I think that's what it is. It's just kind of understanding that there is that road. Oh, I got it. Yeah, I think it's the uh, adaptation from like into understanding that this is a professional enterprise that I'm undertaking. Yeah, yeah, like. I told myself that I want to shoot to go to the Olympic Games in 2020, and that's not a joke. Yeah. Like, and that, and there is a big difference when you are a professional in something. Right. And like, I'm not getting paid by anybody to do this. I'm not sponsored. Wait, wait, but Schuylkill Valley is paying you. You're right, Schuylkill Valley. Go Panthers! <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, but like, there is a difference in not only like what I'm doing to train, but just how you have to go about it mentally and understand that an even larger percentage of your time has to be focused toward this right. one thing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be the mental aspect, um, you know, continuing to have a regular meditation practice, having that awareness to understand all of the different pieces that play a factor in athletic success. And then, you know, truly uh, encompassing that idea of professionalism. Yeah, and that's to to top to to go with all that is is you've got to remember as well that communication with with me the coach is also key. Like like you need to realize I'm holding you to a professional standard and this is more about you and I than this is podcast, but it is about now like you've got to communicate with me as a coach and and say Dane, I don't like this, or I do like this, or what's the point of this, or why are we doing that, and what what is the goal here? What's the goal of the session? And that's why a lot of times I'll say, "What are you gonna think about today? What do you What are the cues that you want to do? What are, that you want to focus on? What are you know? What are the things that you could work on in the weight room, maybe, and, and anything that you might have questions about? Communicating that to me so that I can give you more feedback so that you can see and understand where I'm coming from. Right. And then, and then that attitude can also, can also like fully encompass the entire system, right. and and value the entire system as this, you know, huge large thing that's going to get you to that to that goal. I think, I think you know Rachel being here, I think she she did a really really good job transition transitioning from college, and I think it helped that she was in a more positive training environment. But I also think she she was. <laughs> 
just more a little bit more mature about you it. You mean to tell me she had a potentially slightly negative training environment <laughs> previously? Maybe slightly. <laughs> That's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but she's done really well with with that, and I think that. That's that's actually what I wanted to bitch at you and Sam about was that I was gonna start screaming at you guys and just because I, I didn't know how much you guys partied on Sunday or this weekend. So I, I, I actually didn't end up going out that much. Okay, but I wanted to sit there and be like, "Why are you guys here? Like, you're here to become the best discus throwers possible." And I understand throwers are gonna party and do that stuff, but I also want you guys to realize that. Dude, that's my time too. Like, right. it's my time coming to see you when we go to Kutztown, and it's my time to develop the the program. and And I'm gonna put this effort into it, and I'm gonna do as many technical analysis as possible, and I want to communicate to you guys as well as I can moving forward, and I want to help you guys as well as I can transition from the collegiate to post collegiate. Right. But um, there's that reciprocity, like yeah, yeah. And I think that that's time. that's important for the coach. And the athlete. And that's where, again, if we go back to these guys that, that just quit because of whatever excuse they can come up with, they're not communicating with everybody and they're not holding themselves accountable and they're not even communicating with themselves and sitting there and saying, like, is this really what I want? Because it clearly isn't what they want. If they really wanted it, dude, I fucking drove to – I lived 2,500 2, miles away. I was delivering newspapers at 4 a.m. till – 8 a.m. I, I laid this all out on my on my blog if you guys want to go. It was a good article. Yeah. And it's like, that's the shit I went through because I wanted to learn from Dr. B and I wanted to become a better shot putter and then later on I wanted to throw 60 feet and I took those lessons and I implemented them. And that's where you guys, I don't want that to be when you're 27, 28 years old. I want it to be now, next year, the following year, the following year after that. Right. You know? yeah. So I don't know if that really... That might go along with this theme, but I just think it is important that all that stuff's factored in as far as becoming a post-collegiate athlete. You've got to – communication is key in any relationship, and, it, and communication is absolutely key between the coach and the athlete if you want to have a successful post-collegiate career. Well, I don't like doing unbroken back squats, Dan. I really, I really <laughs> don't. i got to be honest. You're so weak, though. You're so weak. It's coming along. Yeah, no, it is. All right, I think that's pretty good for, for this If I Knew Then What I Know Now podcast. Yeah. Um, Till next time, this is Dane Miller signing off with Noah Kennedy-White. and Hopefully we can – I was going to say the next time you come back on here that you're throwing like 62 meters indoors, but that's not going to – I'd rather do a podcast again before that meets. So. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the third time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, say it, we'll say it three times. That sounds good. All right, peace. <laughs> At this time, we want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Dane's Platform. Remember to look out for our next episode and check out our sponsors, Earth-Fed Muscle, The Acceleration Diet, and Holistic Encapsulations. Peace!